Let's go before the king. Father, we thank you and lift you up for your uh, word is a lamp to our feet and a light into our pathway. And so we pray that you would speak to us, Lord God, so that uh, the things that break us from growth, the things that break us from walking and being knit to one another would be broken and that it would be, um, it would be deeply engaged because of a ferocious commitment to you by faith. And so, God, I pray today that you would remove uh, anything that would inhibit our ability to see you more clearly and see the church more clearly. And so, God, uh, help us to live out that reality in the everyday spectrum of our lives. And let the words of my mouth today and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust and help us not to just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, but help us to be doers. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, last week we talked about Christ-centeredness, and this week we're talking about community, and we'll be talking about commitment, conversions, and culturally relevant ministry under our motto of showing off the glory of Christ. Where? We're going to try that one more again. Showing off the glory of Christ. Amen. Amen. That's, that's what God has given us as a kingdom mantra to represent him here where he's placed us based on Christ's commitment to see all things, God's commitment to bring all things under the feet of Jesus Christ uh, based on Psalm 110, 1 and 2. And as, and as I think about um, this passage today, um, th this is, this is a, a little bit of a rough but encouraging passage at the same time which it always, in sermon prep, it always, the, the God deals with the preacher before he deals with the pew. And, 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 and when he deals with the preacher, it possibly can get to the pew, especially if the preacher is honest. And I got a confession to make today. I have a big old fat confession to make today. My big confession is I like the show Empire. Um, that's, that's my confession. Now, don't, you're not going to clap for long. Um, because I, I, I called it a confession, not a proclamation. That's, that's a difference. Amen. Um, we're going to get that on the way home. Um, but, 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 but I like the show. I, 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 I love the show. I love the acting. I, I, I mean, I, I like the acting. I, I like the actors and that type of thing. But I had to realize, I had to realize that I was beginning to allow my entertainment to forget about edutainment. Um, entertainment is us enjoying something being presented to us in a form where we find enjoy, en enjoyment in. The problem with entertainment is that our culture doesn't just have entertainment in its mind. Um, 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 it, 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 our culture has an agenda to educate us through entertainment. In other words, it used the attractiveness of the familiar in order to tuck things in the soul of the person in the unfamiliar. And, 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 what, we, and what, what I began finding out is, I, I, I started asking myself some questions, church, and, and this is just me, what I do in my spiritual life to grow spiritually. Um, I, I, you, you, you can take it if you want to. Uh, I was asking myself, why do I like Lucius? I, I like Lucius. Why do I like Lu Lucius fly? He like y'all fly gear, you know what I'm saying? Big mogul, fat loot, you know what I'm saying? Um, but he's a murderer. 
And so, but a, and a liar and doesn't father his children even though he has the money to. So I'm just going to keep going. Y'all got quiet after the while. Cookie, the quintessential girl who made it off the block. But she's the scorned ex who will cut you in five seconds. Um, then I was like, why, do I, why am I, you know, Jamal. And Jamal is representative of what is being done throughout television. And Jamal is the gay son. We're not bashing gay folk. We know we have people that wrestle with that in here. Uh, 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 but we do believe it's a sin. Amen. And, um, and Jamal, you, 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 you find, the way they do art is so beautiful because you find yourself, you find yourself wrestling with his desire for acceptance from his father about his homosexuality to the point to where you almost want him to win in his homosexuality. Why am I bringing that up? Because I realize that I have, have to fight through, like every believer, being desensitized from what the Bible says to enjoy myself. There, there are things that we begin to turn off, and I'm not telling you to retreat from the world. But there's some things, and, and this is, and, and, and what's interesting to me is, is as I was studying this, I almost changed text. To, I said, God, this ain't got nothing to do with community, but God said it has everything to do with community. He said, because you can't view the church as a viable place for influence and spiritual growth until you deal with you. In other words, Paul begins to challenge us with the reality of the fact that we don't like the kingdom. He's challenging us with the fact that we love worldliness. If we're honest, we think the world has better everything than God does, even though the things that the world do, does, God created what they use. And so it's interesting, there's almost this bamboozling and this hoodwinking that we've gone through what we've allowed, especially in this generation where everything is built around desensitizing you even more than it ever has. I don't care what TV show you watch, there's a working in to make you feel like homosexuality is okay. Every show has the empathetic homosexual person so that you'll have a heart for them and then find yourself changing your, a biblical worldview to empathize with the person. You love the person, you empathize with their brokenness, but you don't make concession in your soul for you to change kingdom rubrics. And so, and so, and so we have to challenge ourselves as believers to fight against the enemy. Now, it's easy to point the finger at the enemies out there. But the enemy that Paul is talking about in the text ain't them. It's the enemy that's enemy. <laughs> that's, that's what he's talking about. So he, he ain't talking about the homosexuals. He ain't talking about the homemothers. He ain't talking about the more. He's talking about you and me. And us dealing with ourselves. In order to grow as a Christian, you have to deal with you. 
And many of us have built our Christian faith around dealing with what others' issues are versus our own issues. I know ain't going to be too many amens today. It's okay. Uh, So so as I get into this text, I want to name seven enemies of community, just so we can get them out on the table. They're, they're, They're all in the Bible. The first enemy of community is avoiding holiness, calling it realness. And, um, that's the first enemy, um, um, the enemy of holiness. You can find this idea of that in Hebrews uh, 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 12, 14. But, but, but there's an idea in our culture where holiness is seen to be unrealistic. Real in our culture means being honest with where you are to a fault with not allowing holiness to show you what real real is. In other words, if you're being authentic to who you are, then I'm cool with you because you're being real. And so I like real people who are real in their sinfulness versus real people who are real with the fact that they're sinful and they need to submit it to the holiness of God. I got to move. Number two, isolation. Isolation is an enemy. Isolation, uh, 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 Proverbs 18.1 says, he who isolates, we're going to get in this text, but I've got to build a foundation. Is that okay? Uh, uh, isolation, uh, 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 it, 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 the Bible says, it, it, he, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. In other words, we, uh, many of us are hermits spiritually because, because we want the world built around us and the best us that we believe we can have is us alone. So, 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 so isolation. Then the next thing is divisiveness. That's the enemy of biblical community. People who want the church to submit to their agenda. Uh-oh. It, it got real funny right there. But, 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 the, but the Bible talks a lot about that, that, that uh, divisiveness. Number four, selfish ambition. Now, let's, let, now, somebody said, well, that's isolation. It can be. But the selfish, ambitious person isn't an isolationist. They just like, they, the isolation person, they want the world built around them. The selfish ambition person wants the world built around them. They just want it built around them with people there. <laughs> and, and, and so selfish ambition, we see Paul speaking against that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Amen. Five, number five, cultural assimilation. We've talked about that. First Corinthians chapter 1. Number six and number seven are cousins, but slightly different. Believing, number six, believing the lies of the devil about the church. Matthew 16, 23, and 2 Corinthians 2, 11. One of the devil's devices is to stop you from loving God's people. The Bible says we're not in ignorant of his devices. That means that he's at work against the representatives of God. And one of the ways he likes to work against God's people is to turn God's people against each other. All right. But then last but not least, using past hurt as a defense mechanism for forsaking intimacy with God's people. Let me see if I can break it down because y'all sound like y'all don't understand. You know, it's funny talking to women because women will say, I don't like women. I like being around men. So I like building relationships with men. You know what I'm saying? I don't like building relationships with women because women are messy. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, but what's interesting is that many of us treat the church like that. What do I mean by that? 
We treat the church. We say, I like people out in the world because I've seen better Christianity among non-believers than I've seen among the church. And so what we utilize our past hurts as, we use our past hurts as a gateway into us living in constant dysfunction is because we believe that we can create better relationships than God saved you to be in. Because the reality is when God saved you by his blood through Christ, he not only saved you to himself, he saved you to his people. Now, when he saved you to his people, that means that the same way the barrier between God and man was removed through the cross, the same way the barriers between God and man can be removed. Okay? And so, as we look at that reality, building the foundation of those enemies, let's look at what Paul says in the quintessential passage in the New Testament on the abhorrent things that work against our ability to be community. I could talk to you about Sunday morning gatherings today. I could talk to you about life groups. I could talk to you about Wednesdays in the Word. I could talk to you about organic discipleship. But what's interesting is I think we've talked about that enough. The root issue of community isn't the opportunities for it. It's the heart behind the people who refuse to allow their lives to be submitted to somebody else. And so, and so, and so, so what, we see, what, what, what do we see here? What do we see here? It, it is verse, point one. Point one, if you're going to face and break the enemy of gospel community, number one, you got to recognize we are called to live lives of relational distinction. We are called to live lives, not lies, lives, V, of relational distinction. Paul says in verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Wow. Let's stop there. Now, I remember when I first became a Christian, these were one of the singles ministries, uh, theological basis for dating within the kingdom race. Amen. Um, 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 in other words, um, uh, the God doesn't believe in mixed marriages, spiritually, so to speak. Don't use this for ethnicity. The devil's a liar. Anyway, um, it doesn't work there. It's talking about... It, 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 it was so, so, but, but this verse is bigger than dating. It can apply to marriage. It can apply to dating and that type of thing in the sense of how we work things out. But But exegetically, expositionally, and contextually, this has more, listen, to do with how you build relationships that have soul impact on you, okay? In, in other words, people who have um, 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 a say-so to your soul, um, a say-so to challenge you, a say-so to helping your worldview to be developed. And so when he says unequally yoked, the word here, unequally yoked, uh, uh, points to the fact it means not of the same species. Uh, 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 it, it, it has the agricultural idea, family, of an ox having another type of animal try to plow and thresh, I mean, plow rather, ground with him. Can you imagine, can you imagine like, a dolphin trying to plow with an ox doesn't even belong there. Um, can you can you imagine like 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 a, 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 a baboon trying to plow with an ox? 
They're two different species of animal not created for what the ox was created for. The ox was created for one specific purpose. And what's powerful about this illustration of the ox is it goes back to Matthew when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, my yoke, my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. What's the yoke? The yoke is trusting him that's put on top of you as he's your big brother ox who trains the younger ox how to plow for him. And so what happens though is what we want to do is we want to take off the easy yoke of Jesus and put on the yoke of the world and try to plow in a way that God didn't create you to. And so Paul is challenging believers. He's not saying don't share the gospel with unbelievers. He's not saying don't build common ground with non-Christians. That's not what he's saying in this passage. So what is he saying? He's challenging unbelievers uh, to begin to say, what is the influences in your life that maximize you developing in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? I, I, I can remember, I can remember in Jesus' name. Um, when I, one of the first challenges I went through in the Christian faith was my relationships. When I was in college, I got saved November 15th, 1992. And um, I didn't get discipled for a year. And so all I had in my life, at that time I was a popular dude on my campus, and so all I had in my life was my frat brothers, and then I had different types of people in my life that weren't good for me. One of them was weed smokers, amen? Um, and I wrestled a lot with weed smoking. And um, I know nobody in here don't deal with nothing, you know. Um, you know, y'all ain't had no past and all of that. Y'all looked at me like, really? Okay, God bless you, you know. I got a testimony, he delivered me from some stuff and I ain't ashamed to talk about my BC into my AD and so, I was a mess. I was a mess. And when I became a Christian, I was a babe. But in being a babe, you're impressionable. You're very impressionable as a new believer in what comes in and, 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 and what develops you. And so I was still hanging around the weed smokers. You know what I'm saying? Because the believers sort of left me, didn't disciple me, didn't have a local church or anything. And so I was wrestling with that. So I was still licking blunts a little bit and wrapping them up and under the black light in a tight-eyed room. Amen. And um, some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. God bless you. You don't need to know. Um, and, and, and I mean, I was, I was a man. My wife laughing because she remembers all of this. She seen the BC and AD of me. And so, um, and so I, I, I liked, I, I liked, and so when I became a Christian, I was a, see, I was a philosopher. And so the ladies liked that. You know, that was the early 90s when Christian hip, I mean, not Christian, it wasn't no Christian. It was hip hop back then, it, it, you know, and I was like philosophizing, you know, um, the, the ecstasy of the philosophies, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I got one of them African medallions around my neck with some cross colors on, and I'm going like this, you know, um, you know what I'm saying? You know, when you think about how God does things, you know, rock ladies like, oh, he's so fly, he's so smart, oh my God. And so I liked all of that, you know what I'm saying? And so I liked that. And so, and so as I began growing a little bit in the faith, I, went, I mean, I didn't have nobody, and, and I needed, what I needed at that point is I needed somebody to put their foot in my butt. Y'all not going to talk back to me. I needed some people to help me with my immature stupidity to put me around the pure milk of the word. The Bible says, and, 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 and many of us think we're strong. See, y'all going to look at me. See, see I, the, gospel, the gospel, I believe, tells me I'm not. 
I'm not. I just tell you, no matter how spiritually mature you get, you're not strong. Because the really, the more mature you get, the weaker you learn you are. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk back to me today. And so, and, so, and so as I grow spiritually, I realize how stupid I am. What do I mean by that? I'm not putting myself down. I realize that God is really way smarter than me. And he put smart people in the body to help me to show my stupidity so we can glorify the smartness of God so that we can grow in his strength and be weaker in ours. And so, and so, but many of us, our core relationships are crazy family members. Some of y'all got some just crazy, but y'all got some codependent relationships with family. That you're afraid to say no to them because you have a soul attachment to them that's unhealthy. And you don't believe that God can fill the space of what they're providing for you. I got to move. Um, but not but not on that, some of you got some, some of y'all are dating right now a dude that, or a dude that, um, that, that, that you know ain't nowhere near the kingdom. All you saw was a six pack and a smile. Help me today, God. You saw some trapezoriuses and some dimples. You saw some, um, some, some, some calves and some thighs and some body, and you X'd out the kingdom. You said, you know, this, this got to be the Lord. You know what I'm saying? It's got to be the Lord. It's got to be the Lord, all right? You know what I'm saying? You, <laughs> you, know, you know how we do. We, you, know how, you know why you know you wrong, but you try to find a Lord. I see the Lord. That's a sign from God right there, see? You know, I'm going to bring him to church, though. I'm going to bring him to church, and I'm going to put him. Y'all know what I'm telling. I'm going to bring him to church, and maybe he'll say hallelujah one time. Maybe, oh, he read the scriptures with us when they put it on the screen. Hallelujah, he's growing. And you think. (laughs) Some of y'all know what you're talking about. Man, short. Ain't no fine, I mean, shorty fine in the mug, man. I'm telling you, woo, woo. And, you, and, you, and your mind is gone off into Pluto because you done got whooped. Oh, y'all don't, don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Amen, amen. So y'all know what I'm talking about. And what happens is, 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 help me God. And what happens is, is you start getting sexually active with the person and you forget about the kingdom. All you're getting is some quote-unquote good sex, and you just like, God, just save them so this can keep going. Yes. But you're miserable. You're miserable. You're in a painful relationship, and you're forcing yourself to be in it because you are about your own ambition versus a kingdom ambition. The Bible teaches, he says, that's, you only, he says, God is telling you, y'all, if the person is unsaved, they are not of the same species as you. Whole new species. The, I mean, if, 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 in comparing it to the animal kingdom, they don't mix. They don't work together. And so Paul begins helping the believers to recognize this unequally yoked idea in which it's preposterous for you to even be in the vicinity relationally of this person in a way that affects your spiritual growth. He goes forward, he says, he's, and that, he starts asking the question. He says, I want you to know who you are. Like, like it's beautiful how he's using the God. He says, I want you to know who you are. He says, what partnership? Somebody say partnership. partnership. 
He says, what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Righteousness means people who are committed to God's standards. When you get saved, you're called to be committed to his standards. He says, why would you build deep, deep, long-lasting soul relationships with a person that does not have God's standards in mind? Lawless means antinomian. They have no commitment to God's word and God's ways, right? So that means that you're always, that doesn't mean you don't build relationship for evangelism, but, you don't, but, but the issue is some of you are trying to get edification where there should be evangelism. And so that's powerful. And it says, oh, what fellowship? Somebody say fellowship. <clears throat> that's where we get our, 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 our core value community from. And community is a very, very powerful word in the New Testament. Koinonia um, is the word for fellowship here, or can be translated community, or it can be translated partnership. It means to share someone, something, and someplace in common. <clears throat> okay, and so this is how fellowship works. When you <coughs> become a believer <clears throat> and you go from spiritual death to spiritual life, you are, b- b- based on faith in Christ, you have now relationship and fellowship with God restored again. So, 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 so now, fellowship can be impacted by sin, but relationship can never be impacted by it. Okay? So, so, so now, fellowship and the, and, 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 the, and the possibilities of you and I have fellowship, having fellowship with God is endless. Okay? So what happens in order to f- for fellowship to take place? The, the, all of the obstacles to fellowship have been removed out of the way f- uh, uh, positionally, but there's still practically issues in play <clears throat> that can work against our development and fellowship with the living God. <clears throat> so remember what I said earlier. God not only saves you to be in a relationship with him. When he saves you, that's why the, the cross is like this. He saves you to be in a relationship with him and God's people. So what happens is, is that in this horizontal and vertical relationship, there are barriers that God works us into being broken down in that as long as, it, as that's what the Bible says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people, as far as it depends on you. And so what, what he's beginning to help them to recognize is that community is a very, very important part of our understanding of being a Christian. And so that means we must share in this reality. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit share, they have koinonia with one another. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have been fellowshipping with each other for eternity. The high priestly prayer in John 17 is Jesus praying that we would enjoy the koinonatic enjoyment that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have enjoying without being them, but be brought into that enjoyment without being the Trinity. And to be able to have a fulfilling and unending relationship with him. But then it happens with one another through God creating community. And God created community, of course, when he created Adam and told him it wasn't good for him to be alone. So it's not, it wasn't just for marriage. They were going to spark through having godly seeds a planet filled with Jesus Christ lookalikes who have fellowship with one another and lift up God as they have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. But because of the fall, the first thing that was broken was fellowship with God and guess what? Fellowship with man and woman. 
And when fellowship with man and woman spread the planet as babies were born, so also uh, uh, um, would it impact our relationships with one another. Jesus Christ came to restore fellowship between God and man. That's gospel. And so what he came to do is to restore our ability to have relationship with one another, to have fellowship with one another. And so, and so, and so, and so that's the beauty and glory of communion. And so he says, what agreement? He said, what harmony of opinions? That's what it means. You can't even be on the same page. He said, it's going to be a constant argument about worldview. That's why the barbershop is the funnest place to go. <laughs> if you want to hear the opinion of everybody on everything, go to the barbershop. Uh, 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 but, but, but you can even see in that environment, I don't know what's going on in the salon. I don't know. Y'all had to tell me afterwards. But in the barbershop, th- th- that's, that's where you hear this whole idea. So what is he fighting against? Worldliness. He's helping believers to fight against their commitment to worldliness. Now, someone is asking, what is worldliness? Worldliness is the idea of us being influenced and developed in the sphere of Satan's influence. That's worldliness. So what Paul is talking to them about is since you have been brought from the kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1, 11 and 12, to the kingdom of his marvelous son, you've been transferred, like on Scepter, you get a transfer to get on another ride. That's the same way it is by faith in Jesus Christ, where you're transferred from this bus to the next bus. This is the kingdom bus. This is the kingdom train. So that means everything begins to change progressively as you begin through Jesus Christ to have the worldliness worked out of you. All right, so check it. So what he says next, which brings me to my next point. I got a lot more to go over. I got I to gotta skip that. Let's get to the next point. The presence of God. If we're going to face and break the enemies of community, number two, the presence of God defines community. The presence of God defines community. This is, this is crazy right here. He says, he says, what argument has the temple of God with idols? Okay. Uh, And so so he says, for we are the temple of the living God. We, not me. We, not me. Now, that's very, very important for us to recognize because there is a difference in how we experience God's presence individually than we do corporately. In other words, the Holy Spirit isn't coming into the room. He's already in the room, first off. Number two, you as a believer, listen, you as a believer, when we gather, bring God in with you because he lives in you. And so when we come together, we are a temple, not just you are a temple. Okay, and so what happens is, is this reality impacts everything. It impacts how we, he, he's basically saying, and he's given a promise of what God says in Tanakh and the Old Testament. Look what he says. He says, and I will, this will make you shout, you, Lord have mercy, help me. He says, I will make my dwelling among them. 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 You miss your shouting cue because if you recognize the reality of this, the presence of God comes about in a powerful and revealing way where he manifests himself among God's people. When you go from Genesis to Revelation, God does do things for individuals, but he powerfully does work when we get together. If, if, you just, if you just look in your mind when God's people came together, when they got at the Red Sea, God did a work. When Solomon built the temple, God Shekinah glory filled the temple. And it says the priest stopped ministering because the glory of the Shekinah of God was so thick 
The priest couldn't even stand to minister. Um, on the day of Pentecost, when the people came together, the Spirit of God filled them, and they began to speak the Word of God with boldness. When you look at uh, 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 Acts chapter 4, verse 31, if I remember correctly, when they began to pray, the Bible says, after they got persecuted, it says, and the whole place shook, and they began to prophesy and speak the Word of God with boldness. There's something that happens when God's people come together and value dealing with their worldliness in the context of the community of the faith where we recognize that we are the dwelling of God. When you recognize that God is dwelling with you, when you recognize that God is there, it changes what you think about worldliness. The more you, go, the more you grow in God consciousness and you realize he's really there, forget about a WWJD, what would he do? Because that's looking back at his life. Like he's not with you. So let me look back at the Christ that's separate from me to see what I would do if he was here. That's not a good concept. He is here. That's why 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, set aside Christ as Lord in your heart. Why? Because he's already in your life. So you're not looking at what he does, what he would have done. Even though we do, we look at the fact that the one who did is in us. That changes everything. Because now you live your life knowing that you were set up for victory by Christ living in you, and he's calling you to participate in life that is divine in him without you being a God, but you being his. And so as we look at this passage, he says, he says, I will walk among them. It's powerful. He said, I'll be in their midst. This is because of what Christ has done, not because you do something. It's because of what Christ has done. He says, and they will be mine. I love that. In other words, they will transfer from creation to relation. They will translate from being just created by me to in a relationship with me. Then he says, therefore, go out from their midst. Get out from their midst. So what is he telling them to do? He said, I want you to excommunicate everything in your life that influences you to walk in unbiblical worldliness. He said, I want you to chuck the deuces. I found out that I got, you can't do this. This forward means peace. In England, this means something else. So for my English folk, Britain people, peace. Chuck the deuces this way, even though this feels better. This, but this, let's do it like this. Um, my people from England know what I mean. Um, he said, they'll go, therefore, go out from among them. He said, separate. Separate. The idea of separate points back to the Old Testament when garments were intertwined with one another and they have to, the fabric has to be unwind so that you can tell the difference between one fabric and another fabric. <laughs> and so, and so look, look what he says. He says, he says, and he, said, oh, oh, he says, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. So this points to what happens when you come into a relationship with God well, God has a welcoming commitment to you to be in fellowship with him. Because what happens is relationship can never be broken. Fellowship can be, but fellowship doesn't mean, brokerage of fellowship doesn't mean there's not relationship. That means that there are issues that you and God have to deal with, just like you and God's people have to deal with. So he says, he says, look at this. He says, and I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me. I love this. What is he beginning to tell us? He's telling us something beautiful. He's letting us know about the doctrine of adoption. And the doctrine of adoption 
has deep roots in how God has set things up in his economy about what your relationship is with him when he brings you into his family. When a person in their culture, in that culture, adopted a child, it was more legally binding than your physical offspring. It was, more, it, was more, it was more legally binding. In other words, God is showing his eternal commitment to you by faith in him that's legally, un, you can't unbind it, and it reflects the idea of the fact that that commitment and responsibility that we have as being a part of the adopted family of God means that we must begin to deal with our issues because by faith we've been strengthened to deal with our issues, and therefore we begin to walk under the new household by submitting to the rules of that house. That, that, that means when you weren't an adopted child, no matter how you were treated out in the agency of the world, now that you have become a son and a daughter of God, you have to live in the way that house wants you to live. And what's good about God is God empowers you to live under his house. He doesn't just tell you to live in his house. Now, look at the last thing, and I'm out my way because y'all done got quiet. Verse 7, he says, since we have these promises, I, 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 I love this. Because now he's letting us know that God's promises motivates lifestyle. God's promises motivate how we live. So, so, so it's based on his commitment to us, not our commitment to him. Our commitment to him comes from his commitment to us. Very important stuff. Very important stuff. He says, since. He says, so you got some promises. You got some things fueling you. Then he calls them beloved. He said, you already love. So what you do doesn't make you more loved. Let me, let me just remind you of that. As worldly as you are, God ain't going to love you no more than he already loved you. It's powerful. But that don't mean stay worldly, though. Don't say, shoot, I didn't know that. But that means you don't even, you, you, you're not receiving God's love properly. Because when you receive God's love properly, it motivates you to serve him. Now, he says something strange, but it's powerful. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. What does he mean by that? How do we cleanse ourselves? Well, the, I'm going to read some passages <clears throat> um, that help us to understand what he means by that in its core to this. And I want to give a testimony of how God did this and is doing this in my own life. He says, we cleanse ourselves <clears throat> in, uh, in, uh, right over here in... John, uh, John chapter 15, verse 3, it says, already you are clean because of the word that I spoke to you. I like that. So Jesus is letting them know that they've been cleansed based on God's word. Look, at uh, uh, you don't have to turn to Acts 15, verse 9. It says that he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. So what cleanses us? Faith. Faith in what? Faith in what Christ has already done for us. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, cleanse out the old leaven. That means the puffed up stuff that makes you arrogant about sin and worldliness. That's the context here. That you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. That's crazy. So he says you're functionally acting worldly, but you're really positionally unworldly. See, when you trust Christ as Savior, you're positionally not a worldly person. But practically, your lack of commitment to him can reflect worldliness even though you weren't bought to be that way. So why live in a way that God didn't buy you? That's, that's what he's saying. He didn't buy you for that, 
right? He says in Ephesians chapter 5, 29, and I know we apply this to wives. Stay with me. I'm almost done. He says that he might sanctify her, talking about the church, Jesus Christ, commitment to the church. He may sanctify her. How does he do it? Having cleansed her, having, past tense, cleansed her, who the church, by the washing of the word of the word. What word? The word of his death and resurrection by our faith in him. 2 Timothy 2.21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of honor, uh, of honorable use, since a, a, a part, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Beautiful. And so what are we seeing here? We're seeing some great things here. Is as we see this idea of, uh, I, I didn't used to believe in it, but now I see in the scripture so deeply. He's talking about a constant cleansing is us rededicating our life to Christ. That means that you and I must continuously dedicate, rededicate our life to Christ to, 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 to clear by, by faith. And as that happens, we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And as we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus, it empowers us to live a righteous life. Look what he begins to say. He says, he's let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body. They were wilding and of the spirit. He's letting them know that the things that you do in the physical impacts your spirit. And he said, you can, just, you can just deal with the body issues. You can just stop having sex. You can stop being prideful in the sense of what you do. But if your spirit is still lustful, if your spirit is still prideful, you're not as clean. You're not clean at all. So he said, I want the action and the root cleansed. <coughs> this, this is beautiful <laughs> because God wants to deal with our root issues. He doesn't just want to deal with your actions classically conditioning you out of sin. God wants to deal with things that you don't know about that's caked up and nasty in the depths of your soul, places where you didn't know existed, places where you hate to go, places of brokenness that you're scared of. God is saying when you begin to allow the gospel to cleanse you, when you begin to let the blood of Christ flow, not just a song, but it flow to the deepest riches of the wretched places in your life, it will bring transformation by faith. It will. He says, so cleanse yourself. <clears throat> How do I cleanse myself? Admit that place of brokenness in your life. Yeah. Oh, y'all looking at me funny. Say, say, say this exists in my life. <clears throat> God, I believe by faith that this isn't who you called me to be by faith. Will you in the name of Jesus apply the blood yet again to this area of my life and help me to practically face it by getting around people who can help me look into myself so that I can look at you. Guess what? That's hard work. I used to try to, I, I watched this show, Couple Therapy, and I like the fact that she said when it comes on, and she'll say, after the session, you guys did great work today. I'll be like, what? I just sat in the session, but I didn't realize when you deal with your issues, when you face the, to, you, do you know it's work to remove the clutter that's in the way of what's really wrong with you? you it, 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 it's going to take work for some of us to go back and find out why, what's the root issue for my foolishness? And guess what the blood does there, though? You don't go there alone. You never, 
go there alone. <laughs> get that in your, you never go there alone if you're doing it by faith. And then what we get to do is we get to preach the gospel to that area. You get to pull out a microphone and hoop your way out of your sin. Help me today, God. That means you begin to preach at the mess. And when you preach at your mess, guess what happens to mess when Christ's blood touches it by faith? It changes. It can't help but change. I remember, in closing, I remember I had been a critic. I got saved November 15th, 1992. Bowie State Campus. Rocked by the gospel, but didn't get discipled, and so I, I went back to what was familiar, even though I couldn't be in the worldliness like I used to be for some reason, because something inside of me made me uncomfortable. Like, every time I would wild out a little bit, I would get this, like, soul punch. Like, it was like, it was like a body bag, weight bag punch to the heart. Cacouge! I'd be like, what in the world was that? And over and over, over and over again during the course of that year, I would get these punches that make me uncomfortable as I'm reading my Bible, and I didn't have a church home at the time. And so I went to this, I went to this campus ministry session, man, and this dude was preaching up in there, lighting us up by the Spirit. And so, man, I'll never forget it. I had on some Butter Thames. I had on some acid watch jeans that was sagging. There was some Jabros. I had, some, I had on a red frat hoodie. My, I, I, had on, I had on my crossing hoodie, red joint. I was standing up in there, you know, all posted up, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 lips black from the weed. I'm looking all that money like this. Y'all know what I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and I'm standing, I'm standing all up in there looking. Dude is wrecking the scriptures. And all I could, all I could feel in my soul was, and all of a sudden my arms start getting like this. And then I start going like that. My arms drop. And then that bottom lip start quivering. I was no match for the spirit of God. He boxed me down, and I began to sin. And, and, and he said, anybody here, he said, you know Jesus as your Savior. He said, but, he said, but he said, some of you here are on this campus, and you're not walking with the Lord, and you don't have community. He's just talking. He was killing me. And, man, I, 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 I didn't even wait till he called nobody. You know, and I ain't, I, all my friends around, but, but when the Holy Ghost deal with you, you don't care who looking. So he said, he said, he said anybody want to come forward and rededicate their life to Christ? I was like, I just want to come. I, I came up like that. I said, Lord, help me in Jesus. I fell on that. I mean, I was, I'm going to just say, I was, I was broke down. I'm talking about drippages of snot coming out of my nose, right? And, and, and I remember that day, that day. It wasn't just that moment, though. God sent some people in my life, put me in a local church where my future wife was going, put me in the local church. The church came around me, young adult ministry. It's crazy. I started seeing godly people for the first time. Dudes this, dudes this falling back from sexual sin. I was like, dang, they, not none? He was like, none? Just all, and, and, it just, and, and the body just began to help me. To grow, and I put down, I remember I had all this weed in the top of my closet. I could have got locked up. They had the dogs all around. I went in my closet. I, I went in my closet. You know, I knew I was saved that day. I'm just, I'm just telling y'all. I, I knew, and it was a fat bag, fresh green, everything. And I knew I was walking in holiness. When I went to the toilet and opened, I mean, it was a fat one too, dang. And then I, and then I went like this. I like God, you know I love you, right? I love you like my, you know I love you. No, I love you. <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> I said, I'm about to flush it. <laughs> I'm about to, and then I flush the toilet. And I can remember just over time, and God, my, my life's still in God's hands and at work, God's at work, but that was a strategic core building time for God to turn the ship of my soul towards him once again so that I can walk in the commitment that he saved me for. And there are so many of you in this place, so many of you in this place that are straddling. But it's, not a, it's never an even straddle with the kingdom. It's always uneven. The world is down here. God is up here. And God is calling you to take the steps to even your life back out through being cleansed by faith in Christ yet again. Every head bow, every eye closed. Um, Lord God and Father of our life, um, I bless you that I know my life is different. I know it's different. I know it's different. Not because I'm strong, but because I learned how weak I am. And growing spiritually, God, is a commitment to learn about how weak we are. It's a learn and growing your strength.